You're listening to a TVO podcast. Hi, Pippa. Hi, Greta. Today we're talking about the word cult. Yes, we are. It feels like mm-hmm. a good year to be tackling this word. Um, you know, it feels like there's a lot of a lot of culty stuff going on nowadays. Yeah, it does, doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah. This is like my own personal gut feeling, but I feel like the world is unfortunately becoming more culty and not less over time. Do you feel that way? I, I, I think I see where you're going with that, and I'm sure we're going to yeah. get into it. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, we are obsessed with cult content, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I'm thinking of documentaries and podcasts. Uh, I think we both watched Wild Wild Country. Yes. There's, like, the Heavenscape did. podcast, Escaping Nexium. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of goes alongside the true crime explosion uh, that we've just become more and more obsessed with the world of cults. Yeah. So to dig into the etymology of the word cult, mm-hmm. you have to start with the word culture. Cool. And a British cultural critic uh, named Raymond Williams once famously wrote that culture is one of the two or three most complicated words in the English language, oh. which I, I never would have guessed. It kind of makes sense to me, though. Like, yeah. How do you define culture? Yeah. It's so amorphous. It is. It is. Uh, it, it Its meaning and usage really, like, branch out in very complex ways through history in several different languages. And, yeah, it's given us a lot of related but very different words and ideas, right? Hmm. So the root Latin word that culture came from is colere, which itself had several meanings, um, including to inhabit, to cultivate, to protect, to honor with worship. And cult filtered down from that last meaning, honor with worship, whereas culture filtered down from the sense of cultivation or tending, right? Yeah. Um, The French word couture is actually another descendant of the same root. Hmm. This is a, a very a very big tree. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you said it has this religious meaning. Uh-huh. And um, I learned in my research that in the medieval era, you'd have cults. They're called cults devoted to particular saints, like the cult of the Virgin Mary. But sometime in the first half of the 20th century, sociologists got their grubby little paws on the word, (laughs) and it took on the meaning that we have for it now. Basically, like, people who share socially deviant beliefs or maybe an excessive level of admiration or devotion to a person. Yeah. But actually, I think the really interesting thing about this word's usage and meaning is the fairly, like, subtle difference between the ideas of cult and religion. Yeah, like, where does... A religion end and a cult begin. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's very nebulous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. My question is just like, is a cult just a religion or belief system that you don't approve of? Right. Yeah. I I can see why, like why you would think that, because we really only use the word cult to refer to things we disagree with. Right. Or, Or think of as a dangerous fringe movement. Right. But there are some hallmarks of this difference between a cult and religion that scholars have decided on. Uh, The list that I'm about to relate to you borrows very heavily from the work of Dr. Yanya Lalich. She's a professor of sociology at California State University. So she says, for one, a cult will rush you to join and a religion won't. Mm -hmm. A cult will often have like a charismatic leader. 
Right. Like people talk about a, a cult of personality. Yeah. Like you're worshipping a living person or a leader's writings rather than like a higher power like you would with a religion. In a cult, you're monitored or controlled tightly. You can only trust your leader, not the other members of the group even. And some people add to this list the idea of brainwashing. Mm -hmm. And just to add, the whole idea of brainwashing or mind control is scientifically unsubstantiated. Yeah, and like kind of kind of controversial in this space. Yeah. But there's one more way to differentiate a cult from a religion that I've come across that I particularly liked. And that's just time. So hmm. some scholars will say the real difference between a cult and a religion is just 100 years. <laughs> very, very spicy take. Yeah. <laughs> like, think about it. Scientology is at the 68 mark this year. They're 68 years old. And many people in the mainstream might see it as a cult, but it does have many of the tenets of a religion, like tax-exempt status. That blows my mind that it does. <laughs> but yeah. And like Mormonism is another example. Um mm. It's a much older religion founded in the 1830s, but a Pew Research report from 2012 said that the one word that most non-Mormons used to describe it was cult. Hmm. It's a very nebulous difference. Yeah, yeah. Though the word religion in, in comparison to the word cult has so much more like positive, socially acceptable connotations, right? Yeah, very different. Yeah. So I wanted for this episode to speak to someone who had lived through a cult to understand what it means to like actually use that word to relate to your own experience because it's so heavy, right? So mm -hmm. loaded. Yeah. So I reached out to Marianne Boucher. Uh, I really enjoyed her graphic novel called Talking to Strangers, A Memoir of My Escape from a Cult that came out last year in 2020. And I was really glad that she was open to chatting about her experience she told me that when she first started working on that graphic novel, she had a really hard time saying the word cult. Oh, I could not say the word. I would choke on that word. I would say that I ended up with a group of militant, political, anti-communist university student people, which is partially true. And it is partially true. Yeah, but it takes a lot longer to say than cult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in this case, it turned out that the um, militant anti-communist group were the Moonies, also known as the Unification Church, which was founded in Korea in the 1950s by Reverend Moon. So I'll give you the Coles notes on her story. Basically, when Marianne was 18 years old, she traveled to California to audition for Ice Capades. It's great reason to move across the country. Absolutely. And right before her audition, she was sitting on a beach and she was approached by some university students. And they were smart and kind and they were very happy. And they said they were working on programs to help starving children. And I had no idea they were Moonies or that they scoured the beaches looking for new victims. And after months of being subjected to their thought reform program, I gave up everything in my life for these new friends and their goals to save the world. <laughs> and uh, eventually my resourceful parents found me and hired a deep programmer who helped me begin, I guess, my journey back to myself or finding my way home. I guess the most important thing to say would be that people in cults don't know they're in a cult. Otherwise, they would never join. Nobody willingly joins a cult. They have no idea. 
So I thought I was in a group called the Collegiate Association for the Research of Principles. <laughs> we called ourselves CARP. We were brothers and sisters in a group that helped people. And I did not know I was a Mooney. We did not refer to each other with that word. And it wasn't until my deprogrammer used the word Mooney and showed me a newspaper articles. Um, did I see with my own eyes that this Reverend Moon was the founder of this sinister cult. And that's when I first heard and saw the word. But one of the big reasons that Marianne had such a hard time accepting that she was in a cult was because of the loaded associations, especially at that time. So she traveled to California in 1980, two years after Jonestown. Right. The massacre, or you could say mass murder-suicide. And that's when Almost a 1,000 people drank poison in Jim Jones' People's Temple. Yeah, it's where we get the expression, drinking the Kool-Aid. Yes. Even though it technically wasn't Kool-Aid, it was something called Flavor-Aid. Oh, Kool-Aid got a a lot of ad press. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I I feel like Jonestown is so embedded that it's like, it's hard to imagine it as a thing that actually happened, you know? I know. It's so heavy when you really think about it, but like... To our generation, it doesn't have that same gravity. Yeah. But to Marianne's, it definitely did. And I remember seeing that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. News images of just like fields of dead people. So cult for me meant cult of death. Yeah. So back then, the word cult had all of these connotations really surrounding it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the way we think of cults has changed a bit from then, but it, it still does have really negative connotations, obviously. Yeah, and Marianne mentioned that there's so much like shame or blame that we associate with people who join cults. But as we can see from her story, it can start like totally innocently. Mm-hmm. She was just joining a political group that like wanted to help people. And I think so many cults will grab people by those good intentions. Yeah, that's true. And of course, cult doesn't just mean like a Jonestown level type of tragedy anymore, right? Like you see mm-hmm. it thrown around in politics a lot these days, pretty casually. Yeah, like, yeah. QAnon. People talk about QAnon as being a cult. Yeah, exactly. QAnon, of course, if you don't know, being... <laughs> oh, lucky you. Yeah, lucky you. Being the far-right conspiracy theory, um, that there's this global cabal of sex trafficking pedophiles or cannibals. I've never heard the cannibal thing, but I, I totally believe you. Yeah, the, like pedophilic cannibals that conspired against Trump during his term. Like, that's the idea. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely a fringe theory that's been classified as a cult by many people. But I'm more thinking about how cult is used nowadays to refer to groups that can't exactly be classified as tiny, super out there fringe groups. Like your average person on the street doesn't believe in QAnon, right? Right? <laughs> uh, okay, well, I have I have some terrible news for you. Okay. Um, there was actually a study of how much the American population believes in QAnon. Oh, no. This was done by the Public Religion Research Institute, and they found that <clears throat> 15% of Americans agree with the statement, the government, media, and financial worlds in the U.S. are controlled by a group of Satan-worshipping pedophiles who run a global child sex trafficking operation. Oh, my 15%. Yep. And 20%, Karina, 20%, that is one in five people, agree with the statement, quote, there is a storm coming soon that will sweep away the elites in power and restore the rightful leaders. <sighs> so it's not as fringe as you might have hoped. Okay, that's very freaky, and I don't like that I know that now, <laughs> but thank you. Um, 
<laughs> where what what was I going with? Oh yeah, I was saying basically like how cult can be used to think about like sort of big more mainstream groups yes. now. Yes, and yes, that's where we're going. That's where we were going. And I was thinking of anti vaxxers. Like, mm. is that a cult? I, I don't know if you've heard the phrase Republican death cult. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's from a Washington Post columnist. He wrote that conservatives in the states amounted to a Republican death cult of disinformation. And he was talking about how they've discouraged people to use masks or get vaccinated. Right. Mm-hmm. So the word does get used in this context. But what does it mean when you're describing a viewpoint that I think could be described as like approaching mainstream that you shouldn't get vaccinated? Yeah. And does that, like, water down the word cult? Yeah, maybe. Like, should it be reserved for extremist groups, small, smaller groups of people, mm. right? Can can roughly half of a country be in a cult and Ugh. still preserve the elements that define a cult? That's a very good question. Yeah. Steve Hassan, another ex-Mooney and a specialist in cults who's often called on by the media, wrote for CNN about a few ways that he sees the anti-vax movement kind of operating like a cult Mm -hmm. in terms of the way they indoctrinate. He said both groups will withhold vital information, distort information, or lie to create a fear of leaving the group. Right. And that works for both, right? Marianne said that to her, like, cult thinking is all about polarization. And I definitely feel like polarized is a word you could use to describe the discourse today in North America. Oh, for sure. We all see how vulnerable we are to misinformation, lies, manipulation. And we see how this makes it difficult for people to find the truth. And so I, I, I do see some of the criteria used in thought reform applied in these political online manipulations. And... One of the most dangerous is to apply or to put forth an unbreakable polarity. People in power use this in order to gain control of people, and it's not a new thing. And uh, I'll give an example of an unbreakable polarity in a cult would be the idea that good people who want more freedom in their lives or who want to make the world a better place stay in the group. And the bad people who are selfish and satanic, leave the group. So uh, this belief that it's the outsiders who are the weak and brainwashed ones, right? They are the dangerous ones. This leads to like uh, dehumanization and warfare, and it's an effective way to control people. And Marianne said that the only way to dissolve this polarity is to find common ground and be empathetic. And this sounds... Totally reasonable on the surface, of course. Sure. But finding common ground is kind of a a big ask when you're talking about stuff like 5G microchips and QAnon or other conspiracy theories. But she says the advice most commonly given to loved ones of people in cults is to keep an open dialogue. Basically, like, keep the door open, remind them that you love them, that you're there for them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that must be really tough advice to follow. Yeah, it it struck me as sort of the same advice that you hear for people who love someone in an abusive relationship. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing, I guess, just on a different scale. In both cases, though, like judging them, scolding them, that'll just drive them farther and farther into the cult, into the relationship. I will say, like, in terms of this polarity conversation, 
I think it's an overreach to say that like anyone who has in-group, out-group thinking is in a cult. Because right. I think we all have that kind of thinking in different parts of our lives. Like, I find myself thinking that way about people in some of the groups or the conspiracy theories that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. It's much easier and much more comfortable for me to think that people in a group I totally vehemently disagree with are like brainwashed cult members. Yeah. Like, it's very uncomfortable to think like this is a collection of individuals who are all making the choice that they think is right with the information that they have. Totally. I think like any strong term with like negative overtones like cult, the more it's used over time in a wider and wider variety of situations, it gets kind of, you know, diluted or hazy. Marianne and I talked about how the way the word cult is used is a lot looser than it was in the 70s or 80s. Now I think the word has more of a spectrum implied. And I think that people understand now that a cult can form around any group. Like it could be a cooking club, a gym or a group that sells men's skincare products. You know, today, I don't think we judge what the group worships or their goals. We're really just looking at the group's behavior. Is it dangerous or harmless? Like, does the leader of your cooking group demand total obedience and even test that loyalty with slight punishments? I mean, that's a harmful group. And I think that uh, today, when people when I hear the word, I, I include the spectrum. And so it's a little bit easier to say the word to be more comfortable with the word. Do you think it's it's good or bad that we're more comfortable labeling something as a cult, even if it's not at the most cult-like end of the spectrum? Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's power in naming and labeling. Obviously, I make this podcast. Um, and and maybe through using it to apply to these different situations, we can like understand or accept how indoctrination happens and like more clearly understand what to do about it. Yeah. But I guess the flip side is that if it gets tossed around a lot more, then it, it just becomes this low effort way to discredit a whole group or, or a belief system. Like we were saying before, that sort of dismissive easy reach towards the word. Yeah. Is it just the name for a group you disagree with? Mm -hmm. Because it's not like when we say the word cult, we're being like the most empathetic version of ourselves. No, definitely not. (laughs) Uh, Just to mention, like both the right and left wing sides of the political spectrum use the term cult. Like you mentioned the Republican death cult before, but people on the right will talk about like a cult of liberalism or like a cult of wokeness. Yes, definitely. So with something that, you know, could be cult-like or not, anti-vaxxers, does it just deepen the divide to call it a cult? Probably, right? These are all pretty messy questions, really. It's hard to say yes or no to any of them. (laughs) Really adding to the conversation (laughs) here, Karina. (laughs) I don't have have all the answers, you know? (laughs) I'm just one... I'm just one podcast host. Podcast host on a on a spinning ball in space. <laughs> I couldn't possibly speculate. And I wouldn't dare to. And I wouldn't dare to. Here's a question for you, Karina. All right. Do you think that you could be pulled into a cult? Hmm. Um <laughs> I <laughs> was that too long of a pause? I'd obviously like to say no, right? Anyone yeah. would, would want to say no to that question. Do you think you could be pulled into a cult? Hmm. I, 
I really do believe, after looking into this more deeply, that it could happen to any one of us. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. I personally have trouble with authority, as you know. <laughs> yes. um, but I think we all hold ideas that can be manipulated. And I think we can all fail to think critically about groups that align with our deeply held beliefs and values. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it could really happen to anyone. I, I think that's the, the sad truth, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're just sort of... Like I'm a I'm a lover of rules. You are. <laughs> don't don't you know that? I love I love a rule. Me, not so much. I don't like a rule that doesn't make sense. That makes me mad. <laughs> but I love a rule that makes sense to me. So like maybe my my rule loving would lead me into a cult situation, possibly. I think there are so many different ways. Yeah. So many different ways that smart people get in. Yeah. I, I, I think it's just circumstance and timing and nobody is really special or above it, mm-hmm. probably. This is an aside, but something that always felt so wild to me is that the actor Elizabeth Moths plays the lead in Handmaid's Tale and is also a Scientologist. Yeah. I love her. Peggy. Nobody's really immune. Yeah. Like, cults run the whole spectrum of humanity. Yeah. And you know what? It does feel really good to hold on to something. Like, to hold on to a belief, to believe in something. Of course it does. That's yeah. gotta feel good. It does. I I think a big takeaway from all the research uh, into this for me is that critical thinking, thinking critically, and and extending empathy to people that you disagree with, really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And we should remember to kind of challenge that, right? Yeah, like challenge the instinct to shut off empathy for people you disagree with, even though it's hard. You can disagree with someone, even like vehemently disagree with someone. And still hold on to your empathy, right? It's more work, but it's possible. Even, even if the thing you disagree with is microchips. Yeah, even then. 5G, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. 